Volume 1, Issue 26, The Darkness 1, and 2. After the surprising critical success of The Chronicles of Riddick, Starbreeze Studio released the next licensed game based on the Top Cow Productions comic book, The Darkness, on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in the summer of 2007. It's the story of a man named Jackie Escocado, who inherits demonic powers of the darkness from his father on the night of his 21st birthday. In 2012, while Starbreeze Studio had moved on to Syndicate, the development duties of the rather aptly named Darkness 2 fell to digital extremes. On this week's show, we're going to discuss if these games are unique within their genre, or merely just an excuse to rip countless millions' heads off with flat some flappy arms. Joining me today are... Darren Gargett. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello. And Kalmu. Hola. First things first, have any of us read the aforementioned Top Cow's production comic book, The Darkness? If so, what influence does it have on the games as a series? Um, I've dabbled in it. I, I, I can't say I've read it have extensively. Have you brought some? <laughs> have, have you I... dabbled it online? I, I read it online. Um, yeah, okay. But um, I, like I read the first couple of issues when it came out back in the mid-90s obviously i wasn't reading it back in the mid-90s i was five um but um i you know read it uh, more recently when the first darkness game uh, came out um and what struck me is while the basic premise is basically exactly the same like jackie estacado is part of a mafia family and he gets possessed by this demon so it's like this cross between mafia crime drama type stuff and fantasy the tone is very different and i think um starbreeze kind of took the storytelling uh, the method of storytelling in this game in a different direction than the comic book does because the comic book is very mature in the way a 13 year old boy considers the word yeah. uh, mature so it's full of you know violence and cleavage shots and all that nonsense but I don't know if it has much in the way of substance. Where does it kind of stand in the lexicon of comic books? I mean, what's it more like in regards to something that maybe we'd know? Um, uh, how m- I don't know how many people are still familiar with Spawn these days. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very similar to that or Witchblade or something. It's made okay. by the same company as Witchblade, so it's kind of similar art style to that as well. Um it didn't strike me as terrible it just kind of struck struck me as kind of uh, i i don't really care about what's going on and these characters don't seem that well fleshed out which is very different from the games so but is is the comic book something you picked up 
prior to actually playing the game, or is it something the game inspired you to? to uh, no, it was further? it was uh, I had played the game first, um, and I I knew about the Darkness comic book because I I kind of dabbled in comic books in the past, and I'm like a casual fan, but I'd never actually dived in and read any of them. And then after playing the Darkness and finding the story really interesting, and thinking, Jesus, if the story in this game is really good. Of course, the story in the comic books must be equally as good, but it didn't pan out that so way. So it basically so. sets up who the characters are, their organisation, and really yeah. what Jackie in the Darkness... The, the setup is the same, it's just the execution that's different. I, I mean, I, I did a little bit of, of reading on the comic book, um, I went online and read a, a first, you know, I think the, the first issue of it, and strangely, I think it does a better job of actually introducing who Jackie is and what the Darkness power is to him. Um, it explains obviously that his father has inherited this this darkness power, and um, it, it passes to Jackie on his twenty first birthday. And the, the game, from I remember from the the first game, it, it kind of just leads you straight in. It's going, oh yeah, and he, it's his twenty first birthday. He's got darkness powers. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you've got arms, demonic arms. There we go. Off you go. Um, I I, I agree that um uh, the comic book does a better job of setting up the premise, but that's probably because with a game at some point the player has to play the game and if you have like half an hour we're just right okay sit down ladies and gentlemen we're going to tell you the entire backstory but, of this but saying that the darkness does have a seven minute opening cutscene of you in the back of a car shooting people on a, a pretty scripted rail sequence so. true yeah. true <laughs> that, that's sure could... time that could have been used more wisely i think so so uh, what i wanted to do obviously we, we have we're going to talk about the darkness one and the darkness two but for people that don't know, or you know, are just listening to this to maybe be inspired to actually try these games out, The Darkness 1 and The Darkness 2 are, are quite different games. Um, when I say quite, I mean very different games. Uh, they go in two different directions, they have different graphical styles, etc. Um, I think, so we can talk about The Darkness 1 um, more concisely, and not get so muddled up with what The Darkness 2 tries to do, which is something different. I think we're going to try to put more emphasis on the darkness one to start off with and when we get to darkness two um we're going to kind of cross references maybe some of the stuff it gets right or some of the stuff it gets wrong but that's going to be later on the show so and try to focus the conversation on the darkness one for the time being so um josh what is the darkness and what is it all about what is the general story um arc of these games if you're going to attempt to to jump in um, Jackie Estacado is the character you play as, who is a hitman working for the mob. Um, uh, he works for his uncle Frankie, I believe. You've um, got to do the stereotype of Frankie. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's Paulie. and the mob yeah. is Capali. Paul, Uncle Paulie, sorry. Um, and it's very like a typical kind of Italian American Sopranos type mob atmosphere like story to it um but basically on his 21st birthday um jackie uh gets attacked by his uh uncle's um men um because uh uncle paulie's accusing him of uh accusing him of betraying his trust and um at the same time as this event um uh, Jackie gets possessed by this demonic spirit called the Darkness, which has been a part of his family for generations, all the way back to his great-great-grandfather. Um, and it basically just progresses from there. So let's talk about it then. Um, it, I think the story is really, really good. Um, 
the setup's kind of simple. It's just fantasy crossed with like crime drama. And um, I think one thing that's worth mentioning is the voice acting in this game, in the first game, is really, really good, especially Jackie. I mean, does anyone else agree with me there? Yeah, definitely. In between the in the in the loading section, in between the levels, he crops up every time, like describing the story and its progress within the game, and that's what really kept me engaged within the story. While my memory's a bit hazy on it now, I remember at the time just thinking, "Why aren't all games doing this? Why isn't the main character popping up and just going blah 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 this and that?" And yeah, the voice acting in that over. Oh, I don't want to talk about the second one already, but you know the first the first Jackie Estacado voice in the, in the Darkness one is definitely superior, probably to well not to Mike Patton who voices the Darkness itself, but I think Jackie Estacado's got the most well realized character voice in the game. Um, the actor who plays him, um, I, I believe his name is Kurt uh, Acevedo. Kurt Acevedo. Yeah, yeah. He's quite famous for roles in Oz, the TV show Oz, and also Fringe, I believe he's in. Um, And he is a really good actor. Anyone who's watched Oz will tell you he's really good. And he plays a very similar character in that show as well. And he has that natural feel to him. It doesn't feel like somebody putting on like this Italian-American voice, trying to pretend, oh, I've got this accent. It feels very organic. He sounds like he is that character. Yeah, as a fan of The Sopranos, I've watched that that series many times. Um, Jackie Estacado's voice, it feels like it could have come from, you know, the, the New York side of the, the Sopranos families. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's really, really well done. It's weird, because from, from the outside, when you, when you look at the box, I mean, it just, yeah it, yeah, it looks like this shooty game made for teenagers, almost like the comic book would do. Um, but when you actually get inside it, you, you realise there's actually quite a heartfelt story through here. Um Although, like most protagonists um, in these games, you know, really when you look at it, Jackie's a mass murderer and kills many people. And, and the fact that he works for um, the mob kind of lends like, well, you know, he, he's just in this environment and if it's to be or be killed type thing. But interwoven between all that stuff and the voice work really plays into this, there's a real heart heartfelt touch story. Um, in the centre of this is his true love, Jenny. Uh, true love has to be highlighted here because it, it pops up a number of times in the game. Um, and there's some certainly some really touching moments between them. I'm sure everybody will want to talk about one in particular. But um, it, I think to, to the game's benefit, it takes things really slowly. Um, many games try to rush through the narrative and, and you know make it just, that's it, the action's really there and the narrative's ready to get from A to B. The narrative's actually here to tell a story. Um, and... The A to B is really almost like the, the shooting is just the, the fill-in bit to actually tell a grander story around it. Um, it's got a quite slow pace to go, and I think it really benefits for that. Um, once again, it's something that maybe when we talk about the second game, um, you know, it, it kind of loses its way a little bit. But um, but the race, relationship between Jackie and Jenny is the core of this of this title. Um, I'm I'm going to argue that uh, the relationship between Jackie and Jenny is the best representation of romance in any game I've ever played, in the Darkness 1 at least. Um, There are a couple of scenes where the Darkness 1 really commits to the first-person perspective in some really interesting ways. Uh, The one scene that we were kind of um, talking about, well, you were referencing but didn't really mention before, was the scene when you're in Jackie uh, Jenny's apartment. 
and she's got your birthday cake and stuff like that and you're talking to her and then there's this moment where she just basically invites you to sit down and watch tv with her um and it's really cool because you can just sit there for like hours and hours with her um watching to kill a mockingbird you can mm-hmm. watch the, the entire full, yeah, film the full thing. yeah which That's I brilliant. think is such a clever idea. Of course, I don't. I can't imagine anyone actually sat down and watched the entire movie. I bet those testers loved it. There, there is people doing that. Well, I, can't I mean, anyone in this Skype no. call, I'm sure there are some. <laughs> I, I think I remember sitting there. down there for a good ten minutes or so because yeah, I, yeah. I remember at the time. And you have to remember, well, 2007. So you know, relatively a lot of stuff had been happening. But I think once again, it goes with the slightly slower pace this game has, which you know they can get away with you wandering up to your girlfriend's apartment and just sitting there and chilling with your girlfriend on the couch. And that's what it gives it a slight human aspect of it because although you have these demonic arms that are splitting out the side of your back and uh, biting people's faces off, um, it brings a human element to Jackie himself, which I think would have been really hard to do if they'd um, just made him this you know gunning demon monster man that you, are you really meant to care about? You can't. But Jenny gives a, a sense of humanity to the whole procedure, which of course you know spoilers. We are a spoiler cast. Um, really, then sets up for the the pretty much for the rest of the game, which will be the rest of the series, no doubt. When Jenny actually does get killed, um, they decide to kill Jenny, although his his was his his uncle. I can't. What's his name? Uncle Paulie. Uncle, uncle Paulie. Paulie decides to kill Jenny because you know if you kill Jenny, you know you you take away his one one hope in life. Well, of course, if you take away his one hope in life, then he's just out for revenge. Um, but the Jenny scene when she dies is is really quite tragic, and that's really once again brutal. Quite, it's it is brutal. They don't hold back. I would go as far as to say that that scene at the end of essentially Act One is probably the most affecting scene I've seen. Maybe in any game, um, it certainly lends itself to Jenny being such a strong character that after such small interactions with her, that that would have such a lasting impact, obviously across two games, but especially throughout the first game, and for it to happen 20% of the way through the proceedings Mm -hmm. and run the rest of the game off that is full credit to the writing and the acting in that game. It's something to behold, and as Josh said, it probably is the best relationship, certainly that I can think of in a game. I I think the reason why I say that is because although because you spend such a short time with Jenny, um, and I don't know if you really as a player you get a sense of what Jenny is all about as a person, but you what you do get um, is you understand how important she is to Jackie. Mm-hmm. And so when she dies and she's just let her corpse is just laying there lifeless and she doesn't get to say goodbye properly. That's the one thing I I think was really classy about that scene. There isn't this at least I got to hold you one last time and then dead. <laughs> no, um it's just bang she's dead and you have to deal with the consequences and you feel like that hole in Jackie like that's been taken away from me and it will never come back and I've lost my one reason for being alive. Also, the the catalyst that it has within the game is that the darkness itself, so this demonic power that is passed through the generations, um, if, if we haven't described it, it basically gives Jackie the ability to spawn arms out of his back, which, um, talking about the gameplay, I guess a little bit... Um, <laughs> if 
it, once again, it lights the darkness, um, and if you go in the light, then it, it shines away from it and goes, Jackie, away from the light, and it, its powers are basically taken away from you, um, and its powers are extremely strong, so you want those powers. Um, but taking Jenny away, uh, the darkness loves a host which it can control. Um, and up until this point, Jackie, uh, you know, it, it's hard because he's really only just got the darkness, you know, he's a host that necessarily probably has the ability to control it. Um, but by this point, he's so distraught, so distressed, so angry that the host has basically free will over its itself and um, now can just progress into you know, the gameplay. And Jackie's very angry, can, so can use all these powers without actually really realising what this power is and why he's got it and really what is the ultimate outcome of why this power is here. So, I mean, that's going to lead throughout the story for the rest of the game. But, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good setup. One thing that's worth mentioning is the relationship between the Darkness and Jackie, because um, that's an interesting story point in itself, mm. in particular the scene where Jenny dies. Because the thing is, Jackie could have saved Jenny, and that's the thing that's most crushing about that scene. The Darkness stopped Jackie from saving her because he knew that Jenny was just a emotional um you know barrier for him mm, and back. yeah and um so to killing her getting her out of the way meant now okay now he's completely free i freed him from this burden um but it kind of backfires because immediately after uh, Jackie decides to commit suicide <laughs> um, which is a great demonstration of how much um you know he loves jenny but i i like the fact that the darkness is this like if you have it your power you're basically a god you know mm-hmm. you can do all these amazing powers but the more you use it the more the darkness is in control and not you and that's kind of playing at the back of your mind when, as you're playing the game. It's like, how long... And this is actually extended into the darkness too, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. How long can I keep using these godlike powers before I'm no, I'm not the driver, I'm in the back seat? I don't think we should uh, underestimate Starbreeze's um, commitment to the first-person perspective. I think the reason why this relationship between Jackie and Jenny is so... Uh, well, you know, the reason why we're so passionate for it and we feel emotion when Jenny gets taken away from you is because Starbreeze, as they demonstrated with Riddick, they, they really commit to the first person's perspective and any kind of any kind of movement within Jackie, you sort of feel it as a, as a, as the as the viewer of this camera within Jackie's head. Uh, every sort of like motion that's happening, like you see his arms, you see his legs, you see everything that he does in front, like when he's interacting with the boobs in the subway. He's you know, you can see him like do stuff, even though they do pull out to the third person when he's talking to people and sometimes um you really feel Feel like that for the most part you are Jackie because of Starbreeze's true commitment to the first person pers- perspective and that's the reason why I came to the darkness in the first place was because Riddick done such a good job of making you feel like you were uh, Vin Diesel Riddick isn't the only uh, influence I think they probably had on the darkness it's become a, a Starbreeze kind of staple I guess but um when you look at the, the the game is actually itself, it's pretty open world. I want to say open, open world, but it, it's pretty open in its nature. So you, you're not basically running down a scripted path from A to B. Um, you get sent, uh, your missions will get sent from one side of the town to the other. There's a, a subway system which you use on a pretty regular basis, which takes you to different areas. Um, and within those areas, you have the ability to do little side quests. Nothing major, but, you know, help the drunken bum out and, and stuff like that, you know, stop him from being bullied. Um, but it, it it 
feels quite open in structure, which is very similar to, to Riddick. You know, although you know there is a path that you need to go down. There's many other things you can do, and also the, the similarities there, of course, is that there's lots of dialogue in there. Um, once again, we've already mentioned the voice work; it's great, but there, there's lots of little dialogue trees. Now they're not, I'm say they're necessarily Mass Effect type, you know, type go down paths and reams of text or anything, but it's. There, there is structure to characters. There is a little bit more information. It's not just a bum on the on the side street. It's a bum with a, a bit more of a backstory, which uh, you know, once again, is the slightly slower paced nature of this game, and it comes off really well. I felt. Yeah, I think that's just the the nature of the the subway hub. That's um, uh, the way it's designed is to m- make sure you interact with the people in within you know Raspberry Avenue or what I can't remember the names of the streets now, but yeah. Um, I again, we're going to talk about Darts too quickly, but I re- I sorely missed the hub world from number two. And looking back at number one recently, I was just rem- just remembered all these um, really interesting interactions, like with the phone. But like, you can actually ring numbers and listen to people talking to you. And mm-hmm. there's some there's some weird phone calls you can dial uh, if I remember rightly. And these are all like collectibles you can find within this hub world. And yeah, again, it just reminded me of the Chronicles of Riddick that you know the Star Breezes like um, Xbox game it just reminded me of that and how that was like a sort of a semi-open world um, you know free roaming uh, game essentially a stealth game I don't think you can actually underestimate the quality of the work all round that Star Breeze do from the moment that you start the game and you see the, the start menu you realise that there is an artistic quality far beyond what you would see in standard title uh, this goes across their whole range. Riddick was great for it. Syndicate has a brilliant look, um, and it, you've got the subway world, which I mean, the game five years on still looks incredible. The characters are aged. The animation's not too clever, but the actual environment of that subway station is stunning. The realization of little objects when you first visit Jenny's apartment, and you realize that on the boxes she's doodled on the boxes, and you get sort of an insight into the personalities of the characters from the little touches of environment around them, the confrontations in the subways, as you've mentioned, and Starbreeze bring it all together with a score that works, voices that work, visuals that are appealing and unique, stylization to the game, the way you move, the the rapid executions that you can control in The Darkness 1, even the way that you approach the game. I once recommended The Darkness when it was a new game to a friend, and he purchased it for £40 on my recommendation, ran through the game, didn't enjoy it. I said, how come? He said, well, it just didn't feel like a great shooter. I said, did you use any of the darkness powers? And he said, I admit, I went with the guns. I said, play it again utilising the darkness powers and he now rates it as one of his favourite shooters of all time because the culmination, the ability to sort of mix and match your your guns with the darkness powers that you inherit you're not only powerful but you genuinely feel powerful yourself you feel like you're going to wreak revenge on everyone and going to make them suffer you've got the different methods you've got the uh, crawling dark is it crawling dark? it is, yeah creeping dark creeping Um, dark, yeah and you explore the world, you go through vents, you find those collectibles that Darren mentioned, which, again, brilliant touch. I'm, all, I'm a big fan of collectibles in games anyway. But this was stellar. You got little bits of insights into the story. One of the first collectibles you pick up, you ring a church, and it seems like a fairly generic phone call to a church asking for donations. And then he mentions that you must head into the light to save yourself. And it's little plays on, obviously, light and dark, 
through obviously wordplay in the in the story, and it's it's very very good. They obviously write a full plan, and they want to sort of make each part work together. And it's not necessarily strong in just one area. It does have a few weaknesses, but they've tried to be different, and as a result, the darkness certainly has a unique appeal. Um, I I was just gonna like surprise surprise. I slightly disagree with knock on wood. <laughs> I mean, Carl Moon. We don't use those names here. Um, but um, I think the combat in the darkness one is okay. Um, but I don't think it's the reason why you would play this game. Um, and I kind of agree with what Tony was saying earlier. It almost feels like the combat is there to, you know, separate the story sections rather than the story sections there to separate the combat. Um, I don't think it's bad. I mean, it's not like terrible, but there are things where there are situations where you get completely overwhelmed by enemies. They're just firing at you from all angles. Um, and towards the end, it's kind of like the opposite because towards the beginning, I felt overwhelmed. And then towards the end, once you get the singularity power, I believe it's called black (laughs) hole, the black hole, black hole. Yeah. Um, it just becomes a piece of piss. It just, easy because it's just black hole black hole black hole black hole they're all dead it does essentially become a grenade spam i agree it is unbalanced it's a quirky control system a quirky half-life 2's gun at the end it's yeah Yeah, but that was a deliberate um, the thing with half-life 2's gravity gun towards the end it was great i'm not i'm not going to criticize they were deliberately you could tell they were deliberately thinking okay let's let's just let them go crazy here where, and it only lasts for about 10 minutes, whereas with The Darkness 1, there's a huge section of that game where you're basically untouchable and the challenge kind of just dissipates. Well, you're actually able to bring down a helicopter with a black hole. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing all the SWAT guys try to rappel down, but you put a black hole up in the <laughs> ceiling and they're like, oh, no! I don't know if it was Starbreeze's um, inability to make a pixel perfect uh, first person shooting mechanic but I'm wondering if they sort of it, it feels very again to say you know compare it to Riddick but it feels like Riddick in in spirit you know what I mean like that, it, it's sort of like a weight to the character when he moves and again in Riddick you didn't really want to shoot a gun you were you, know, you were more comfortable in the, in the darkness and taking people out with screwdrivers and what have you know all that nonsense um, but with the darkness one I'm wondering if the, the shooting mechanic it's probably not, but I'm wondering if it wasn't as good as, say, Syndicate, because they wanted you to utilise the, the darkness powers, and like you said, uh, Carl, uh, your friend didn't enjoy it when he just treated it as a traditional shooter, and if the shooting was better, which it isn't too, but if the shooting was better in one, would we feel the darkness isn't as important as what it actually is? Well, well, the darkness too is the thing that disproves that, isn't it? Because the shooting is better in the darkness too, but I still use the darkness powers a hell of a lot during that game. It, it's strange. Um, obviously, you know, we two. This is this is probably a good time to bring in some of those aspects of two. Um, mainly the the difference in the darkness power versus the first game. Um, in in the darkness one, you have certain powers that actually don't transcend over to the darkness two. One being the creeping dark. Now, the, the the object of the creeping dark is you can let out this, I guess, another version of your arm. It was you know slid along the ground, and and you can essentially go. It's a pretty long way without with before it gets detracted all the way back. Um, but with that mechanic, you can actually dispose of enemies 
pretty easily because you just you you basically can't get killed. I mean, once this thing gets hit, then it just withers back to you and you, off you go again. So you can go around and basically take whole groups of people out without even being seen. I, I like it for that. At the same time, it was kind of a bit easy if you chose to go down that route. But then the the parallels to Darkness too. You realise actually they didn't do too much with, with the darkness arms themselves that you have the ability to to take people's faces off which is always fun but if you compare it to darkness 2 that they make a whole raft of entertaining abilities for your your arms you can um pick up objects and throw them at people to to pin them so you know, um screw them like little ke- uh, kebab sticks which is always you know, always hilarious every time you do it um you can pick up doors and, and use them as shields which I, I don't remember being there within the darkness one um all sorts of things. You pick up your, your little demon guy, um, your little darkling, pick him up and throw him at people. Um, and what the Darkness 1 did more, I think, actually, it, it had these extra powers. So you've got the creeping dark, you you have the, the darklings themselves, these little spawning dark uh, goblin little things which with serious attitudes. Um, but in the Darkness 1, you could direct them where you wanted them to go. In the Darkness 2, it was you have this guy and he wanders off and he has this AR routine he'll do stuff himself or you can pick him and throw him but generally that was it um, so I felt like they did more interesting powers sometimes with the Darkness 1 through extra abilities but I don't think they made the most out of the actual Darkness powers themselves I think Darren actually got it right with the reference to Riddick and the plane in the dark with the Darkness 1 you had a game where you do play with light and dark, and the second game feels like it's a game where they tried to make you play between light and dark. And the combat is quirky, the shooting's poor, um, but you've got the ability to, say, run out into the light, quickly execute a guy and get back into the shadows. And that happens so quickly in the first game. With the second game, you're essentially out, and you've got the, as as I'm sure you'll all bring up, the executions that it just begins an animation cycle of you being stood there. But then again, in the Darkness one, um, you have the ability to do, I, I don't know a better term other than gun carter um, things on people. So they're executions with the guns. You walk up to somebody and it normally involves you sticking a pistol into somebody's mouth and blowing the, the back of their brains out. It's, I mean, it looks visually stunning. and But it, I think that there is more room to, in the Darkness one to play around with the guns. I think that there's a, a balance there that they want you to use the firearms and then use the Darkness powers as these auxiliary things rather than um, up close and personal, which they kind of focus in, in too. I don't actually think that's a negative thing. I, I think at the time, you know, that's what they were going for. I think the Darkness 2, okay, you know, it's one one saving grace. I think it gets the Darkness powers slightly better in, in its using of the the arms and limbs. But um, what well, lesser? We'll, we'll talk more of that in, in a little bit. I, I do. I, I'm not. I, I did enjoy the the Gun Carter stuff. Um, it's something I actually missed from from the second game. You you don't really have that at all. Did anyone know? Did that not disappoint anybody when you transferred to the second game and it wasn't there? It didn't disappoint me at all because I hardly used it, if I'm mm. honest. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I'd totally forgotten about it. It's been like five years since I played it and you, you mentioned it now, just just reminded me of it and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it does have the uh, you know the, the first person physical cutscene of you destroying someone's face. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like you say, visually stunning, but I think you're never close enough. Well, for my personal gameplay taste, I'm never close enough to a guy to do that kind of stuff. I'm always, um, you know, shooting the light out and just um, whipping him with my arm or something like that. Um, I never really used the creeping dark though, which is weird. It's, I know it's a really good tool to use, but I only I only remembered about it when you played the little darkling in Darkness Two, and I was like, oh yeah, didn't we have this in Darkness One mm-hmm. with the thing? I'd, yeah, there was there was echoes of that in Two, but um, I'd never really used the little worm. 
interesting. The, the power I used the most was the uh, tentacle that jutted out uh, mm. from you, which um, they kind of do better in The Darkness 2, yeah. because in The Darkness 1, it literally just goes out and stabs people, and it misses half the time. It does look a bit like a pop-up book. It just sort of yeah. pops out of nowhere. It's weird. And, it's not even, and the thing that annoyed me was it's not even one of your tentacle things, like <laughs> tentacle heads, on the side of you, and I, ca- I can't help, I couldn't help but feel during the darkness one. What the hell are they doing there, taking up my visual space? If they're <laughs> not going to do anything, because the only thing they really do is the eating of hearts and then the creeping dark, and that's it. They don't really take part in the combat all that much. But the fact that they're lingering in the corners of your screen reminds you, obviously you're playing the darkness so you know, but it reminds you of who you are and what you're doing. They're, they're always in the corner of your, you know, the two corners of your upper screens and uh, the fact they change colour to let you know what power you've got um, active or, you know, ready for activation. Uh, I, I totally agree with you though. They, they are just sort of looking at each other as if they're going to start having a chat, but they, they, yeah, they needed more interaction with the enemies and bits and bobs. But it, um, yeah, so watching them eat a heart in, in number one, I think is definitely more, that they feel more physical in number one in darkness one they feel more alive if you know what i mean probably down to the art style but they had a personality yeah they felt chunkier they animated them in different ways because in the darkness 2 the the left one literally just grabs down eats a heart and that's it whereas in the darkness one the two arms will actually fight with each other over who gets the heart yeah yeah. um and then sometimes the arm that loses does a sad face like i wanted a heart (laughs) that's not fair so they like I think that's what Starbreeze's strongest um their strong point is is that they try to give personality um and some uh, like you know character to everything they put in a game whether it be the characters themselves or the environment I I want to come back a little bit from from where we are um for those of the people that have played the game Something that has always fascinated me with the Darkness One is the World War Two segments. Um, yeah. Explain. I, I still I don't think at the time I truly understood what was going on. Well, my understanding of it is, um, and this may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's right. So shut up, anyone who doubts me. <laughs> um, is that the World War Two sections are actually a section of hell that the Darkness has sent Jackie to? While the darkness, uh, Jackie's soul, that is, um, while the darkness is fixing his physical body because the darkness can't afford to let Jackie die while he doesn't have a, um, you know, a son to pass on that pass on the darkness to. So the darkness is very keen on trying to keep him alive. So he sends him to that section of hell and then Jackie's like exploring around and he's finding out all this information about like his family because he meets his um, great granddad there in the trenches of World War 2. And the the importance of World War 2 is actually that's where his granddad made the deal with the darkness um to save his life in order uh, but you know, cursing his family to this fate at the same time. And so this is where Jackie actually... Both, because you visit the hell world like twice during the game, 
And this is really where it focuses on the Darkness's backstory and all the stuff that's going on in this fantasy world. Because most of the stuff in the real world almost has nothing to do with that stuff. It's almost all the mafia, like, revenge on Paulie stuff. Yeah, I'm with you, Tony. The the World War Two story, while it breaks the, the pace of the gameplay up quite well, I found all of a sudden we're running around trenches and shooting, I don't know, skeletons that are talking to you at one point. I think I remember there's a there's a part in the World War Two section where you have to activate a cannon and you press a button. And oh, can, goes. can I just butt in there? I've just realised we've been all saying World War Two all the way one, through. Isn't it? It's one. It's one. It's World yeah, War One. one. Ah, uh, yeah. they're both wars, in it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm sorry right. about that. Anybody that, that <laughs> uh. so yeah, the World War One sections. Um, I remember you have to activate a cannon, and you're on a train, and you, they're like skeletons on the floor, obviously, because they've been fighting in a war. Um, and um, they start talking to you, and it's all you know. They give you background information of, you know, what I think why you're there, and bits and bobs like that. And I really enjoyed the art style of that section because it's it feels completely different to the to the you know the hub world and the levels. Um, in in the darkness, and yeah, I really appreciated it, but I didn't really know what was going on. And even watching videos like you know this current week, I just it's still a bit a little bit hazy on the on the actual finer details of of why you're there. But yeah, it, it does make sense to now that you now that you explained it, Josh. <laughs> now I needed Josh next to me explaining what the World yeah. War One section was. It makes yeah. sense now. Um, I, it's it's weird. I, I know like Carl, I, I know a few people that have played this game. Um, and I've they've had completely um, opposite reactions to it. One person said that the the open world structure was actually just too much for them. Um, that they didn't know where they were going. Uh, when I quizzed them on this, that they said, "Well, look at the the very beginning. Um, you go off at the very start. You enter this world after that kind of you know long cutscene of you know you get through the the workers factory. You you just get sent out and, the, and your your objective is to talk to Jenny. Um, and you you kind of just get thrown down the street and go go." And there is no waypoint, there is no marker, it's just, well, there's the street, work your way, go to, um, down the subway and, and talk to people, and eventually, you know, you'll, you'll work out the location of where Jenny is by the name of the avenue, which you can then find on the train station, and, and then move through. Um, I think that's actually quite putting off for some people, um, when they like a, a, a slightly more guided experience, when they're just thrown into the middle of nowhere. It reminds me of the Citadel in, in Mass Effect 1, it's just, there we go, off you go, <laughs> just go and work out what you're doing. Um, yeah. It's weird because I kind of liked it even though I understand why some people wouldn't like it because instead of like doing what you normally do in a game where you check your mini-map and you're like, okay, well, so there's the waypoint, so I need to get... Instead, I actually started looking at maps in the environment mm-hmm. instead because like, you'll have like... Um, those like you know those the type of maps that you have in London where it says you are here and mm-hmm. there's all that they have those dotted around in the hub world and I was like okay so if I'm here and Jenny's on this street okay I know where I'm going now well and generally the tube network allows you to go to any place you want to go all the streets are pretty much labelled you have to just catch the right train and it takes you to the right direction and then from those you know I guess mini hub worlds you move off down the proper the correct street that you're after um but I can see how some people would find that. Uh, what's the word? Find it um, intimidating, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I like. I like the fact that it it tries something like that. I think it's one of the things that makes it unique, um, makes it stand out. But I think if you were probably just looking at the cover of this and you're looking for a an, an average shooter in your mind, and you come and go, well, off you go. 
um, it, it could be quite intimidating for the player that coming into it. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but um, you can talk to the the information points. And while you know, uh, let's say you know an average gamer might not think, oh, if I actually talk to one of these like pillars that you know can talk back to me then I, I can find my way there. And they do give you detailed instructions on how to actually get there. It's like, you know, turn left at this road and then go down the right. And that, that's really useful. But again, you're only really going to know that if you walk by it and you see the prompts to allow you to talk to it. Because it doesn't, the game doesn't really put any on-screen, uh, you know, UI to let you know where you're going or what to do really until you actually have the ability to interact with it. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit misguided, but I think it adds to the the realism of you being Jackie like you know he is it, it, he would know where Jenny lives obviously because they're in love but I think oh, it's it, a new apartment he's never been there before remember ah, that conceit there we go yes. see it all works out yeah and it just makes you feel like you're actually him and you you have to find your own way there by conversing with people and th- doing the things you do in real life like go to an information point and talk to someone there you wouldn't Look in your well. You probably would look in your PDA now and check out where to go via maps. But um, (laughs) yeah, I just feel like it added a bit more immersion to the game. So, wrapping up roughly where the darkness one um, comes to an end, the a lot of people rate this as one of the best endings that your that that, you know video games have so far produced. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it, it is a very touching ending. So, who wants to tackle supposedly one of the greatest endings? I think it is one of the best endings ever, but not for the reasons that most people would give a game. Because it's not a big epic like, yes, we won, and big explosions and epicness and all that. It's actually like a really touching, subtle scene. Uh, what what basically you've gone through your adventure. Um, you've been like taking out. Um, uh, Paulie's lieutenants and Is trying to get the mafia from. Yeah, yeah. That he has a police chief um, mm. that he controls, and you're also trying to convince the mafia, like outside families, to try and support you instead of Paulie. And I think you managed to do that. Um, and so it's the final showdown between uh, you and Paulie, and there's this quite long extended cutscene where. Um, uh, Jackie is just taking out thousands, not thousands, you, you know, <laughs> a lot of uh, troops uh, at Jackie uh, at Jackie's at Paulie's like house, and um, and you realise that uh, Jackie's actually starting to lose control, um, and all these people are less being killed by him and more being killed by the darkness, just like, oh, I'm going to have some fun with these powers and stuff like that. And then you finally uh, start chasing uh, Paulie up this staircase all the way to the top of Into this a lighthouse. lighthouse. Yeah. yeah, lighthouse, I think it is. And then you kill him, and it's not even, it's not a boss battle. You slaughter the guy. He's mm. dead. He is no He's no match compared to you. Um and then the darkness takes you over, supposedly, just complete like you've lost, basically. You you no longer control this body. And then there's this scene where Jenny and Jackie are on a bench and you're lying in Jenny's lap. And there's this really touching moment where the two characters essentially say goodbye to each other. Um and Jenny's like saying, We've only got this moment together and that's it. And and Jackie's like really torn up he's like I don't want to leave I want to stay here with you and then you know it ends and credits start to roll and 
I found that really touching. Like I, I've, there are games that have touched me that way before. Like I've been moved that way in other games, but like it's really special when it happens, nonetheless. I I, I would have preferred it if the you know you run to the top of the lighthouse, you take down Detective Shro. I think that's his name, and uh, and you know when the darkness takes over Jackie's body, I just would I would like. <laughs> I do appreciate the sentimental sort of, you know, Jenny and Jackie in a, on a bench in heaven or wherever they are, wherever you think they are. Um, but I'd, I'd have just preferred a bit of more of a sinister ending, a bit more darker, like, you know, oh, he's sort of gone then. Do you know what I mean? I'd have preferred more of a cliffhanger ending as opposed to, um, you know, like the ending you do get, which is like bloom effect overload. And it is a bit it is a bit soppy, but I'd have preferred, I don't know if that says anything about me, but I'd have preferred Jackie to have just been absolutely knackered and... Maybe they didn't know they were going to do a sequel back then, and maybe they sort of wanted to tie it up with a little bow and end it. And um, but maybe if they knew they were going to do a sequel, maybe they could sort of like go, you know, dot dot dot, and just make make Jackie just a, uh, you know, make it seem like he's more of a victim uh, to the darkness, you know, well, or maybe, maybe dead. I I I I I thought that was conveyed, if I'm honest, because yeah. I felt like it. He was being victimized. My take on the ending of the darkness one. Um, which doesn't make sense um, because of the sequel, is that um, the darkness took him over and literally Jenny is just contacting his soul before that's it. He's a killing machine and he is just the backseat driver as you, you know, he's not in control of his body anymore. He's just watching the darkness let loose. Um, but it, 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 I think it decided to end on that note because it's bittersweet, you know? Mm, yeah. So it's like... There's this happy. We're going to end on happiness because you know that after this scene, shit's going down. Well, Jenny even says we only have a short time together, and he's like, "Why? Who?" And she's like, "Just enjoy it." So I, I think you know he knows that this one moment, this is almost a darkness saying, "Fair enough, you you managed to kill the head of your family, have your moment, but then she's gone." Um, which obviously we know from darkness too that she she makes a, a fairly dramatic reappearance. But um, I, I think it's, I think to, to actually to Darren's point of view, I think they probably do go slightly over the top of the bloom effect. But um, it is quite touching and quite sweet. It's that minute of respite for the soul that, mm. like Josh said, it's bittersweet and it's such a nice way to end the game. And she basically makes it clear: you, this is it. This is our final moments together. Let's enjoy it because nothing can be the same again afterwards. Because as he said, you lost. The moment that you take that kill of revenge, you lose. It's the end of seven. It's it's that moment where to do what you have to do, you have to lose to win. And obviously, it did sort of ruin the whole point of the second game. <laughs> um, but I think Starbreeze is certainly a studio that like to wrap something up. And they did. So... Would we recommend The Darkness to people if they're, if they're coming back to it now? So it's, what, 2007, so five years later? Is it still a game that well is worth going back to and exploring? Yes, it definitely is, because it's a story that will remain a classically told story in a video game. Um, the Even at the time, the combat hadn't wasn't sort of to the level you would expect and it hasn't aged well there are so many great shooters out there with great shooting mechanics but you don't you play the game in spite of that 
because of everything else that it offers you. And going back to it now, five years after I originally completed it, everything that I loved about that game is still there to be loved. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a it's a fantastic game, uh, even if you even if you're not in it for the story, which I don't I don't see why you wouldn't be. But uh, as just a game purely on its mechanics, I think it's really interesting and. Um, especially back in the day, you know, back in the day five years ago, the, the light mechanic of obsessively knocking out the lights was, it, it just reminded me of playing Goldeneye again when I was just shooting the lights out for the fun of it, whereas this actually has like a benefit to your character. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in first-person shooter games that rely on a unique mechanic to make it interesting, like uh, Bulletstorm and Syndicate and stuff. I, it's, it's what pulled me through to the darkness. And the, the story is is really good, but the the actual physicality of being this beast definitely carried me through to the end um i recommend the darkness um i kind of consider the darkness one to be a flawed gem i genuinely believe it has one of the best um examples of storytelling in video games i i personally put it up there with the likes of bioshock and mass effect um gameplay wise i think it's mediocre i don't think it's bad um I think it does some things that are slightly weird um and like there's this weird thing how it's more difficult in the beginning and it's actually easier towards the end um and but like the environments are absolutely stunning even now um it's weird cuz the what, like the subway station and stuff like that are ultra high res but then you look at the character models and you're like <laughs> but um yeah, I do recommend the game as long as you know what you're going in for and it's story that you're after rather than gameplay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Josh. I, I, coming back to it now, I think the gameplay has aged a little bit with all the shooters we've had in the last five years, and boy, there's been plenty. Um, but I, I think its uniqueness is the thing that it pulls through that. I think it, it's a little bit loose in its gameplay, but the, the, you know, the actual powers you have bring it through that, so... But I think the reason you come to this is the actual open world nature and, and the story that's being fed to you via that. Um, that is its unique selling point, I think, when it comes to it. Um, so I, it's not a short game. It's about 10, 10, maybe 15 hours long if you really wanted to find all the little side quests and, and do you know, all the little jobs for everybody around. Um, but it, it's certainly worthy of your time. So we move forward to February 2012, five years after, almost five years today, actually after um, the original Darkness gets released. Uh, different studio this time, so it's Digital Streams picks up the the mantle, whilst uh, Starbreeze Studio, I assume, was probably working on Syndicate for that amount of time because it was the next game they released, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. 
So, I mean, that project seemed to be on and off. But um, it, the, the mantle moved over to digital extremes, and uh, 2K was the publisher of, of both these games. So, anybody know the reasons why um, Starbreeze Studios didn't manage to keep hold of this license, or is it just something they wanted to move away from? I think they just moved on. I don't know if they lost the license more that they just didn't want to make a sequel. Because I heard stories that... Um, when Starbreeze took on the Darkness One as a project, they weren't actually a fan of the property, and they would actually much rather be making um, their own IP, a new IP, but they got saddled with this uh, property instead. So I, I don't know if they even put up much of a fight to make the Darkness Two. I'm wondering if it's to do with a good chunk of Starbreeze at the time, uh, departing to make uh, another studio called Machine... Machine... Oh, I'm not even going to bother trying to remember. Uh, yeah, basically, some key guys from Starbreeze left, which is why Syndicate sort of feels different to um, Riddick and Darkness 1. Um, and I'm wondering if like the, their departure meant that they weren't really confident in this studio in, into making a sequel, and uh, that you know then they went with EA to, um, to create the Syndicate and approached another company called Digital Extremes who had previously made a game called Dark Sector, which wasn't the best game ever, but it was sort of had that same sort of vibe as um, The Darkness. It was pretty pretty gritty. Didn't, didn't Digital Extremes work on the multiplayer for The Darkness 1? I was just looking at That's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to see what else Digital Extremes were, were actually working on. They, the, I mean, Digital Extremes, by the looks of it, have worked on many different companies' multiplayers. Yeah. Um, they're bit of a, a makeup company of, of finishing off titles. For instance, they worked on Bioshock 2s. I know that for certain they worked on Bioshock 2 multiplayer, uh, which was actually quite good. <laughs> Very good. But, uh, I think they did the Very port, the, the home front PC port, but I think their main game, um, certainly of recent before that, was definitely Dark Sector, like uh, Darren brought up. So, a bit of an odd company necessarily to, to pick up the Darkness 2, but uh, pick up they did, and they decided to take it in somewhat of a different direction. Um, which I, I I don't know whether I like or not. So I'm going to discuss with you guys. So the, the first thing we can note, you, or you'll definitely notice about the Darkness Two is a very different art style. Um, the Darkness One, it's it's quite, it's quite realistic, um, as as we were saying. You know, it, the textures still look really good, and and the subway looks very well. Looks like a subway. Um, but the Darkness Two, they they clearly take the inspiration from the comic book itself and decide to to bring the comic book style into the forefront rather than to hide it behind more realistic characters. Which I think looked really quite impressive. It reminded me of a, a game by Ubisoft called Thirteen. Yes, uh, first-person yeah. shooter. Like the initial reaction to the, the, the demo, which I didn't like the demo to the Darkness Two, but the initial reaction was this could be Fourteen or Thirteen Two. Do you know what I mean? It, it had that well, it's, it's cell shaded sort of comic book style, and it looked just like it. And uh, I, I really, I do like the art style for this game, but not as much as the um, the first one. I, I dig it. I think it's a nice art style to go for. Um, I think that I've gotten fed up with, in this generation of all the grey and brown <laughs> shooters that we've encountered. So it's nice to have a game that with a more interesting colour palette. The um, The downside to having this more exaggerated and cartoony comic book style is that everything else has to be exaggerated and comic booky as well um like the voice acting the characters the story in fact they're all you know taking much they're taking their cues much more from a comic book like exaggerated style rather than the more 
realistic and and more toned down uh, feel that the first game had. It it certainly doesn't have a repressive nature, which the first game kind of exhibits a little bit. Certainly, when things are getting very dark, like I said the comic book this I, I guess bleeds throughout. It does actually lead them to do some ridiculous um, death scenes and and blood spews everywhere because you know comic book blood is always slightly more tolerable than the ridiculously over the top you know blood blood. Um, but I, I don't know. I, there was, and I, I was. I'll admit, I was playing the PC version, and, and it looks fantastic. Um, I've played the, the two, the PC version and the 360 version. The PC version looks really crisp and sharp, and does actually look like a comic book. Um, and there's there's some environments which I I think they achieve so much are easier to achieve than if they were going with a very realistic style um, they can draw you know huge draw distances for instance because you know they, they it's just easier to not make the details of walls and stuff when it's just kind of like half painted on wall but it, it, it mixes between I'd say comic book and quite realistic at the same time it when I'm when, when you say comic book you're almost in the back of your head you're thinking of some cartoon but it, it, it doesn't come across quite like that it, it's more of a, a stylized um, realistic look um, like I said, 13 I think is is probably a bit more comic booky than this, but it's it's almost like one of those ones where they animate ov- over the top of something that's already been um, designed and, and animated in a, in a realistic style, and just give it a bit more kind of dark and blackened toned around the edges. Well, they had to hand paint all the uh, textures in the darkness too. I don't know if you knew that. Um, not sorry, not hand paint, as in they were actually <laughs> painting on a piece of paper. They were doing it in a uh, render obviously but i mean a lot of textures in a lot of games they take a a you know a sample texture and then they paste it all over the environment like copy it multiple times so they don't have to put the effort into doing every single one whereas with this one because of the comic book style they went for they had to do each individual texture themselves and apparently that was quite painstaking um, I, I can't talk in massive detail because I'm not a game developer, so I don't know mm. the intricacies involved. All I know is that that art style is not an easy option to go for. That's kind of the, the first impression you get as well from a cell shaded look. It's like, oh, they've gone for the easy option. Everything looks just one tone. You know what I mean? Like, it's um, it's quite interesting to hear that. that it, you know, it takes a lot of work to do a a, a comic book style and how it's a uh, it's a bit it's a bit strenuous on development. I I, I honestly thought. Like you know, it was just an easier option, and that's why they did it. So, if if the graphical look of the game is just thrown out from the first one, so is the general structure of of the game. Um, they take the free the free form kind of open nature of the first game that gets pretty much thrown out, and you you're then put down a pretty linear path. Now, their version of the hub world is basically Jackie's mansion, which you come back to between uh, segments. But that's really only then to to give you the next quest and um, to move you on through the story. There's a couple of little sections you can move off a little bit, but really all it is is a, a next quest giver segment, and they push you down a, a pretty linear path. Um, I mean, back to our, our early points where I think some people struggle with the slightly open nature. I can see how at that time it was like, well, you know, it's a different generation maybe of gamers. Believe it or not, I mean, five years there is a whole new generation of gamers that may be interested in this title back now. 
Um, and I think it's yeah, and and maybe to to, to Josh's point where you know you think maybe this was a, a quick idea of a cashing. Um, oh, they've just gone with the easy comic book style, but and and it probably wasn't. It's actually quite a hard thing to do to do that. I, I felt like maybe when I was playing for it was oh they kind of like they didn't have the resources to do this big open world, so they've just you know done what every other game does is is throw you down this linear path. Do you think that's fair? The, the, the valid accusation against them, or do you think it was actually more to to cater to a modern day gamer I think um, for the kind of game they were going for the hub world kind of open world type game kind of didn't make sense um, the, I I feel like the darkness too uh, reminds me the most of last year's uh, Bulletstorm the way the gameplay is it's not so much about exploring and um, you know, going through this huge world like Bioshock, because I, I think a lot of people forget that Bioshock actually has a hub world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but instead, it's much more about exp- being on this linear path with a set amount of enemies, but experimenting with the powers that you have at your disposal and seeing how creatively you can dispatch the enemies. Which is a double-edged sword for me because um, there's this serious story going on they're trying to tell. And then you get these numbers popping up whenever you decapitate an enemy with an arm. Going 300 light points or whatever. Well done! You managed to make that guy look like a complete idiot. And it's Mm. a bit unsettling. That definitely does feel like a Call of Duty-esque thing to do, doesn't it? Like, every time you do something, like, smash out a light, here's a point, you're rewarded for something, and, uh, yeah, it, it's that age-old argument of, like, oh, it constantly reminds me that I'm, uh, I feel like I'm playing a video game, which I've got no problem with being reminded that I'm playing a video game, because that's what I'm actually doing, but, yeah, the, the plus ones every time you knock a light out, and the plus fifties for ripping an arm off, it's, you know, it is rewarding, but maybe I don't need to be told every five seconds. Did, did the first game have a... Uh, a skill structure tree like the second game does it did but it handled it completely differently um with uh, the darkness too it's about like creative kills like if you if you just shoot a guy it's less points but if you spear him you get more points um whereas the, the darkness one it was just about eating hearts and that's how you leveled up um which made more like it it felt more organic and more realistic to me because they didn't have this number that jumped up. Um, it was just like, oh, the more hearts the darkness eats, the more powerful it becomes. So in um, in two, they they give you this, I, I guess, tech tree, and I think you have the three different options. You can either power up your guns, power up your demon um, yeah. arms, or I think it's isn't it? Um, it's, it's more like health, health, yeah, <laughs> yeah. health abilities, yeah. Yeah, I chose the health one first because I was playing on um, not the medium difficulty, but there's like five, is there or four? And I went for the one just above the the normal one, I guess. Like the the name like mobster and Thug, gangster yeah. and fuck yeah, I can't remember which one I did, but I learned this lesson with Syndicate that because I'm quite experienced in first person shooters, why don't I knock it up a notch and then um, utilize the abilities that I have to their full potential? Um, and that way you get the, the most out of the experience that you're playing. I definitely found that with Syndicate. Like I was actually breaching things and stuff like that uh, a lot more than maybe maybe than what I would on normal because on normal you can just shoot someone in the head once and they're, they're gone. Whereas in hard maybe they're you know it doesn't sound as realistic, but maybe they take a few more bullets when you when you're shooting them. And yeah, uh, with the dark, uh, with the darkness too, I'm I went for the health first because it just means I don't die more. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I appreciated the tech tree, but. The numbers were a bit 
annoying. There is a good power in that that tech tree of the the health, where eventually you get the darkness shield. So every time you're in the dark, you become. I think it's it's pretty impenetrable to to bullets. And towards the end of the game, that's that's no bad thing because you do face a lot of enemies. Um, so that's well worth that tip. But um, mostly, I, I followed down the the using the demon arm tree. Um, mainly because that's what I think the game focuses you on. So if if I think the the combat in the first game was a little lacklustre, uh, although interesting, I think in, in the second game it, it it goes completely crazy. I think it probably goes too far. Um, the gunplay for me in the second one, yeah, it works, it's fine. Um, but I really never wanted to use it. All I ever wanted to use was my my newly found powers in my demon arms. So as I said before, these demons arms, you can do many things now, but um, you know, spiking people, skewering them, picking up doors. Always, you know, if, if you pick up a door, you can then throw it at people, slice them in half. Um, and your arms take great glee out of uh, the the over-the-top execution kills. Um, now, these execution kills can do many things if you, you know, depending on which, which I can maybe X gives you um, health, or I think it's A actually gives you health. Um, so you do this over-the-top execution kill, and it gives you more health than if you just basically to eat in their heart. Um and they are ridiculously over extreme over the top. Um, for instance, and this is comic book, so it, it's it's kind of okay, I guess. But it can be as as simple as maybe biting a person's head off, um, up to the point where you pick them up upside down. One of your demon arms goes up their their anus, rips out their spinal cord along with their skeleton still attached out the top of their anus, and then swings the body about like it's a ragdoll, and then as as well as the uh, the exoskeleton of this person. And the first time you see it, like, have I become that de- desensitized to games? Because it's just like, well, dude, that's ridiculous. Move I on. can definitely say I haven't been de- desensitized by games because <laughs> that made me go, what? The, you know what I mean? Like, I was actually there's a few moments in Darkness too that made me go, is this is this going on? I don't know if it's because I'm actually you know I'm approaching thirty, I'm getting a bit old now, I'm getting a bit more <laughs> sensitive. But it's like, I can't believe it tentacle just come out of his anus like that's ridiculous and I, I you know I took great joy in doing it 50 times afterwards but the, and the little darkling the you know the the person you know the the one darkling you get and he's got a oh governor that kind of voice when he started pissing on people and calling them the c word I don't know if we will have to drop that bomb here but I was just like oh my god like this is mental and it they probably went to 11 you know they turned up to 11 because of the comic book style and they feel like they can get away with it and you know why not make use of an 18 rating you're going to get one anyway so let's just drop a few c bombs here and there but I was definitely sort of like Okay, this is a bit mental. It is. It is a bit bonkers. I I feel like uh, talking about the game as a whole. I feel like that for me, the Darkness Two was the opposite experience to the Darkness One. Um, I actually found the gameplay experience in the Darkness Two to be incredibly satisfying, despite being like really over the top and gory. I thought there were a lot of things that you could do tactically to get control over the situation. They gave you loads of options. Um, although you had le- like there were less powers, I felt because they concentrated on the two arms and made sure those two things worked really well. Mm. Um, I I didn't feel like um, I was lacking any power when I went into combat situations. They, 
they do some nice stuff as well with the gameplay in in the fact that certain people have really high power torches now that um, you have to take out the torch otherwise you become completely useless you can't see one what you're doing because the screen goes white two your darkness powers become utterly useless so you're relying on the guns which aren't particularly great in the first place um, they can throw flash grenades into a room which completely disorientates you which I I really like that's something I didn't really get from the first one I I I, I can't you keep saying that the guns are, are not I don't that know. good. I, I, I think it's because I found the arms so entertaining that I never yeah, wanted to yeah. go to the guns. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that the guns themselves were bad. I actually think, as a shooter, the Darkness 2 is the equal of any Call of Duty. It's just that the arms themselves are so much more powerful that um, you tend to just use the guns to keep people at bay. Or as your, you know, Halo style, Halo multiplayer style, you charge in and then you use the melee attack on them. Um, but I, I, I never felt, I didn't feel like I had this much power and this much freedom in the Darkness One. For me, that is, I just felt like I was going through the motions. Um, but the Darkness Two story um, is not amazing well i was going to ask i mean is it is is the the fun nature of the actual gameplay is it as a detriment to the actual story itself which is the strong point really from the first game kind of yeah because i feel like because they've gone for this like almost bullet stormy type combat um it means that the story has to be kind of over the top as well so instead of the this like hardcore because the first game if you took away the darkness completely, it's kind of a hardcore Soprano-style mafia drama. Whereas with um, the darkness too, they start introducing like this uh, cult who, like, apparently worship the darkness and want and had control over the darkness at one point, and they want to control the world like that hasn't been done, you know, a hundred times before, and. But- but there is some nice story elements to that. But, I mean, what The Darkness 2 talks about is how um, Jackie's, fartner, fartner, Jackie's father had basically spent his life trying to work out how to get rid of The Darkness and was the one that tip, tipped this, um, I kind of say, luminatory cult to, to the existence of this... There's the Brotherhood, aren't the brotherhood, they? The Brotherhood, yeah, yeah. To the existence of this cipher. The cipher being something that can actually suck The Darkness out from Jackie itself and then they can use it as a, a weapon... Um, this siphon as a weapon or inject the darkness into themselves and, and create an army of people with equal amount of power. So I think the story's there and you know, I, I don't know do we want to get straight on to the end of the story? I think there's some We need to set it up first. Yeah, th- there's some really nice else. elements um, towards the, the back end of that game with, with how they, they handle Jenny and who she is and, and what she once again what um, Jackie means to her and what he means to Jackie. But um so the the other element I think they do really well, certainly in the, in the story, is the asylum. Um, now, much like the World War One aspects of the game, um, the darkness has to put Jackie into a state. If Jackie gets killed, um, for instance, in in the darkness two, Jackie has his face blown off. Um, so instead of him just sitting there in pain or death or whatever, it has to put him into the state. Now, the asylum, you you later find out in the game, becomes this place where Jackie goes, where the darkness puts him there as this safe place, and it's all white and bright and lovely, and Jenny's there, and all the people that he knows from, from his you know gang are all sitting there, and they're, they're in this mental asylum. So the darkness basically pretends that 
Jackie himself is 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 crazy, and that all oh, this is just a dream, and um, to carry on taking your medication, everything will be fine. I thought that was nice. I think the thing that's interesting about those sequences as well is that unlike uh, the World War One sections of Darkness One, um, this starts happening while Jackie is awake as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's a scene earlier on where Jackie uh, suddenly wakes up from the asylum and then his hands are covered in blood and the demon arms are just finishing off the last guy he was fighting. And you're starting to realise shit, uh, Jackie's starting to lose control again. Um, And, um, well, this is a spoiler cast, so we might as well just talk about it. Um, It turns out that the asylum is kind of a a construction of the darkness Mm -hmm. trying to control uh, Jackie. Um, It's constructed it so he can distract his mind uh, while the darkness is in control. Or, or at least that's what I. Well, yeah, be, be it repairing his body or doing something that he he doesn't need Jackie's, uh, Jackie's yeah. abilities of his own brain to control what's going on. I think it's a, I think it's a really good gameplay um, conceit and add, add something very different because of the the light structure of it and obviously you do get to see Jenny. It, it gives them the ability to produce Jenny a lot more into the game, which I think they would have struggled otherwise in in just weird flashback cutscenes. I really like that interplay between, you know, in the asylum when Jackie meets Jenny again and she's like a doctor and Jackie is apparently gone, you know, psycho mental and he's like, no, this is like, you know, she's like, no, we're we're not actually together and Jackie totally believes that, you know, because they were once in love that they're still in love and this fake Jenny is just totally repelled by it. I found that really interesting and it just like, you saw Jenny from a totally different light pun there but um yeah you see it from a totally different perspective and uh, even though it's not real you sort of there was a time when i actually believed that the asylum was you know that i actually thought the actual game levels were the fake bits and the asylum was real i was like what's going on like they actually played with my mind a little bit I, i was about to say i think the reason why those sequences are so good is because they commit to the idea that the darkness is trying to trick jackie mm-hmm. and you know tricking you the player as well um the developers went to a great deal of effort of like trying to convince the player uh that this world was the real world and the world that uh jackie is in with the mafia and the darkness powers is fake because let's be honest it's more believable that he's just some weirdo tripping out in a cell it was always he... dream i thought that was probably the strongest part of the entire game of the darkness too right it's yeah. certainly the bit i enjoyed the most and the more the game uh, progressed, I was hoping that that was the reality, not just thinking it, but hoping that that's what it would end, purely to make sense of the ending of the first game more than anything, because then you could have the second game. Um, and the whole sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest feel of it all really worked the way that the characters that uh, in the gangster world, Jimmy, suddenly in the hospital, the James, and everything's more professional and... It, it. I thought that was personally very intriguing and I didn't like the fact that for about half of the game you're only there once and then it, it sort of speeds up more and more and it, those were the bits that I found refreshing. I personally didn't think much of the rest of the game, the Darkness uh, Darkness 2. I wasn't too keen on the combat. I hated the overextended executions, the fact that you couldn't move but couldn't be hurt whilst you were doing them. It, <laughs> uh, the guys with the torches, your whole screen goes white, suddenly you feel limited and you don't know where you're running, you can be running into walls. and It became a, a title of such frustration 
that when I was in those areas where I wasn't sort of fighting enemies, that was the fun for me. And I think a lot of that comes obviously from the first game. It, as I said, it, it's a lot slower, and I think it was that was their way of actually slowing down the pace of the game in those segments into the asylum because you aren't doing anything; you are doing nothing other than really walking from A to B. Um, and it's I think it's a, a neat trick. It it's odd because when you read, I think when you look at the Darkness Two as a whole, I I think it's a very competent. Um, game. Uh, it, it's got a lot to live up, really, from the Darkness One. I think the demonic powers for me are at its really its, its selling point. I think they're really quite cool and entertaining. Um, but the the losing of his mind, settling towards the end of the game, and eventually the the actual final um, you know story cutscene segment, um, I think is actually really powerful. I think it picks up a, a little bit of where the Darkness left off. Um, I think it, it kind of it. I think it, it probably tries to do a bit too much um and fails a little bit of pretty much master of none maybe but um i don't know it's i I liked it i i i know the reviews have been a little bit up and down it but i i did actually think it was a, a reasonable title throughout um but the story segment certainly towards the end which i i, I think is actually one of the as strong as the end scene for me <laughs> as the first game although i, I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this <laughs> well let, let's talk about it um uh, there's the way the game actually finishes up is um you're in the asylum and then you're like running to the top of the roof the sea like the not the ceiling the roof and you're about to jump off the roof um because you're trying to get to Jenny in hell i believe because mm-hmm. you find out um that uh, according to whatever Jenny's in hell um but then you're on the roof and Jenny starts talking to you and she's like, no, that's not real. That's fake. What What do you want to choose? Do you want to choose me? Do you want to stay here with me? Or do you want to go and pursue this fake like uh, dream that you're having? And then the game presents you a choice um, to either embrace Jenny or go after this thing. Now, now, the thing is, because the game does such a good job of convincing you that the asylum might be real, I found that choice hard to make. <laughs> Um, and credit to developers, if you pick um, one ending or the other, the game actually ends completely differently. It does, yeah. You actually lose uh, a lot of the gameplay as well. Yeah. Um, if you do choose to embrace it, uh, Jenny, you have this sweet scene with Jenny, and then the game ends. Wow. And Yeah, you, you go back into the asylum, and basically Jenny and Jackie da- start dancing on, on the floor, and <laughs> they look into each other's eyes, and yeah, that's it. It's Which is quite weird because if you choose the second ending which is jump hmm. um, you go down into the hell uh, I assume it's the hell of his his own mind um, and there's probably a good another half an hour of gunplay, gameplay which yeah. you can completely miss if you choose the wrong ending I'd not that it's I don't even consider taking Jenny's like uh, you know compassion as, a, as an option because when they started morphing the Darkling in with the asylum and it all started integrating into a sort of one thing you know like you know he starts breaking down the door and he's like come on monkey follow me in the asylum you're like oh okay this is like obviously the asylum's not real so when I ended up on the roof it was just it, there was no option for me rather than you know just to do myself in in this fake world like you know just jump off and see what happens after that but I didn't even realise there was a second ending that's that's crazy so the real ending um, which I'm choosing to call it because so. uh, there's to. no other way of putting it. Um, 
So you go down to hell, and then there's this, these new enemies that are introduced, which are... They, well, they, I say new enemies. They act exactly the same way as the regular enemies do. They shoot at you. Demons have guns, apparently. Um, <laughs> true story. Um, and so you're attacking all these demons, and you're trying to free Jenny. And she's strapped up in like this this darkness prison type thing. She, you know, she's only got she's quite scantily clad actually, which is a bit uh, distressing. Um, and so you free her, and then there's this like nice little moment with her, and you're like, oh la la la, you kiss, oh happy happiness, yeah. and then bam, it turns out that Jenny is a host of another uh, spiritual being called Angelus who is basically the light counterpart uh, to the darkness. And actually, um, a, a character, I've forgotten his name, he's the one who's slightly crazy. Johnny. Uh, Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> the best character in re- the game. It's yeah, he is probably the best character. He makes reference to Angelus uh, earlier on. I think you have to talk to him in the hub world, though. Do he doesn't twice, actually, yeah. yeah, you have to mention yeah, to him. It's actually three times you have to speak to him, and then he tells you the end into the game. Yeah. Um, and so he's talking about how uh, Angelus is like uh, female and light world and stuff like that. Which at the um, time you're like, hmm. You're like, oh, okay, so they're setting up a bad... The way I took it in the context of the game is, oh, they're setting up the bad guy to the third game. Oh, that'll be interesting. Not associating Jenny with that <laughs> at all. Like, I wasn't thinking Jenny had anything to do with it. Um, and so you free Jenny and then she becomes like this angelic demon like creature and she's like la 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 you're trapped in hell ha 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 I'm free and then she goes off and the game ends with you and the darkness trapped in hell um so you know sequel bait much Um, (laughs) but I I I didn't like the ending I know you like it Tony but I don't like it because it's clearly an ending saying we want you to buy the next game. The, 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 the reason I like it is I like the the setup of of Jenny herself. I think she, obviously, you know, true love has been the thing that has you know pushed them through in this relationship, and that the whole reason Jackie's been doing this is because her soul essentially somehow the darkness has her soul, and he needs to free the soul, and that's why internally in his mind he's going down to free her soul. I just like the fact that the the person who is true love and and the reason why the darkness has been so passionate about you know keeping these two apart is actually that she is the you know the pure opposite the thing that can actually kill him so although they are true lovers they essentially are you know they they can't be together at this point because you know they are light and dark they eventually are going to have to kill each other you can't have these two things coexist in this same world and i think that will, that could lead to some really interesting story decisions in free having that choice of you know, who survives um, no doubt it's it's worth mentioning that um angelus is actually a villain from the comic book series mm-hmm. So it feels like the developers are actually uh, taking more and more... The Brotherhood, actually, are bad guys from the comic book as well. So it feels like this development team are sticking, taking the series closer and closer to the comic books um, instead of sticking to what Starbreeze's original vision was. I really wasn't a fan of the ending to the game myself. I, um, As I mentioned earlier, I think it's after the moment where is it Aunt Sarah... She gets killed, mm-hmm. um, and you go back to the hub world, and you, you're free to speak to people. You can actually speak to Johnny three times. On the third time, 
he mentions a character called Angelus, and he says that it's the complete and opposite to the darkness. That the character well, darts to exist, you need light to exist. Yes, yeah. and that it's always a female, and it's always someone the darkness knows. Now, it wasn't going to be Aunt Sarah because <laughs> that would be quite an underwhelming boss battle. So it was always going to be Jenny. So from the moment that he said that, I was playing through the rest of that game thinking, when am I going to fight Jenny? And then I was going down to hell, I thought, well, I'm going to fight Jenny. And but did you not think that, that gives a even a, a bit more character to Jenny herself? That she is this you know, extra thing, that she's, you know, ultimately she isn't just this this woman that Jackie fell in love with. No. Although it, it, the ending kind of suggests that she has no choice that this the light the light has always been in the darkness and she's just become the host of this person and you know that there is still jenny inside of her i mean it certainly suggests that there's still jenny there as much as the darkness isn't just jackie jackie is separate from the darkness but the darkness is in, in control of this host so i think jenny's still there jenny is still that person but well, it's you know, true in the, the lightness in the end of this game you get essentially to what was the end in the first game it's just not done as well you get the the moment where the souls get to meet and embrace and then she takes a back seat to Angelus and Angelus states she's in here somewhere and she's still here but she has to do what she has to do And but the problem was that Jenny was already such a strong character coming over from the first game that I never felt I actually got anything from her character in the second game although the best parts of her character in the second game were the parts probably outside of the game so the bit where you walk through the diner and you you have a dance with her or the bit at the carnival mm-hmm. and you shoot the things with her because the bit in the hospital isn't really Jenny, really. It's only by name mm. and appearance but not by actual nature. Um, I just didn't feel a strong connection at all whilst progressing. It felt like it was going very almost by the numbers and it was all very predictable and everything was sort of signposted long before you actually got there, aside from the asylum playing the trick on your mind, which is why that is my favourite part of the game. And I actually took Jenny's offer because I thought, well, I'll just take that. I'd rather spend oh, time man, with her. You... And then, so yeah, you yeah, I did do the rest of the game eventually because I didn't get the achievement. It's, it's strange. I, 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 at that time, you just know that it's it's the darkness playing and tricking you. So it's, oh, yeah. it's odd why you would have taken that that ending when you know surely free and Jenny would be the uh, the ultimate sacrifice of of Jackie himself. But odd, odd that you chose well, that, it was, that. I one. just wanted to see what would happen more than anything, and I was always going to load it up and do the other one. So I just thought it would be an interesting way to go. But it, it wasn't on. It really wasn't sort of like a finalised ending. It wasn't an either or. It was like, oh, that's what happens. All right then, back to the real thing. Well, it, it sounds like I'm the I'm the only one where the ending kind of caught him off by guard. Um, which I guess I'm I've, <laughs> I'm thankful for because I I I felt that it gave more character. Um, it, it maybe gave Jenny more sense within this universe, other than just being this haunted ghost and this soul that supposedly could exist in this dark being. I like the fact that maybe there was something more to her, something more the darkness should be afraid of, other than just hope that it is actually something that can kill. I mean, even the light you could just class as you know the pure love between them that actually can eventually kill them. So I think the game with what the game had, I think it, it done a, a fairly decent job of actually, although it was really linear, that it, it brought the some of the story aspects to the forefront. Um, but hey, um, two things we we haven't touched on. Although I don't think we're going to spend particularly much time. Anybody who played the the multiplayer in the first Darkness game would know that it's legendary for being not particularly good. It it was basically a uh, a shoot well a 
a death, I think it was team deathmatch in Catch the Flag. Um, yeah. Nothing particularly interesting. The the biggest problem it had was the netcode was atrocious um, to the degree that you could barely play any games in it because you would be jumping all over the screen. Um, I remember trying to go for the achievements in, in the multiplayer and it being just a, an utter frustration and a nightmare it trying to play awful. it. It was awful. But the, the thing about the multiplayer was the maps were actually quite good. But the netcode was so bad that the, you just mm. couldn't play the game. And it did try something interesting where your character can change into a darkling and cr- climb across the walls and try and get, like, you know, you could do jumping kills or get away from enemies quickly or try and sneak up on them. But it just didn't work. Yeah, so, once again, more of a shooting multiplayer than anything else, not really worth uh, attempting. Um, Darkness 2 has... S- well, it has co-op. It has what they call vendettas um, and hit lists as well. Uh, the vendettas, um, you have four characters, each with their own unique darkness abilities. Um, me, Josh, and Carl were all playing it together, um, which was... It's it's fun to a degree. You, they take away the tentacles, and it's more about the individual powers um, with certain weapons you have. So you have more of like a, a shaman type person, and um, somebody that's more you know useful with guns, and a Scottishman who has a, a big axe and terrible voice acting. But um, yeah, we quickly found out it wasn't that, a um, euphemism either. It was a battle axe. Yeah, we we quickly found out that the it feels like the co-op throughout has been developed by some sort of B team that wasn't working on the main game because the both the the well there is a story that runs through it but it's not particularly compelling the voice acting although strangely feels like it's done by the same people you know Johnny's there doing some sort of overarching story but he sounds almost different um but the characters themselves are just terrible <laughs> it sounds like the game developers themselves were putting on accents for the characters, yeah. like because they had the other actors for uh, Johnny and that lot. So they said, "Oh well, you've got these actors. You you can have them be team to do a little bit of voice work." But the, for the other characters, oh, I don't know what what the hell you're going to do, and oh, it's so awful. It's so bad. Like there's, uh, I played as um, an Asian character who has the worst Asian stereotype voice I've heard in ages. But it wasn't and as I've bad as the stereotyped the... Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Mm. It's 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 worth playing just for the comedy value of it, really. And there's not really too much co-op to it. Although you can work together and, and use individual powers, one person can maybe pick them up and stop them into place, and the other person then come in and shoot and kill. It doesn't really ever play into that. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating towards the end as well. The game seems to rank up quite hard. The, the final levels um, they seem to overwhelm you with. With um, people to kill, and you know, you quickly run out your health. Although we were playing on hard, to be fair, but uh, pretty uninspiring has to be said. It, it's not. I, I wouldn't. If you saw this on the back of the box, it's it's not a really a selling point. Other than maybe a, I think we did it in about what an hour and three quarters. Yeah, I think it, gone through the whole lot. Roughly around that, yeah. And then I think we spent maybe another hour a push doing a couple of the hit list missions. Yeah, which are, are just sec- segments of the vendetta missions, aren't they? They're just individualised things and they give you different objectives which it's a fine but I, I take it you didn't play it uh, Darren because you're on the PC I was playing it on the Xbox 360 oh. as a rental and as soon as I finished the story I was you know it's only about what, six seven hours long as soon as I was finished with it I was just I was just done with it um, playing Darkness in co-op 
you know, I'm not, I'm not the, the, the biggest guy for multiplayer anyway, but just playing it in co-op just wasn't a, an appealing thing for me, really. I took the rental straight back, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, most games, it, they just feel like they had a, like a bolted on multiplayer, like the first one. It seems like it was just there, and they didn't finalise the netcode. But at least in Darkness 2, the multiplayer actually worked. Do you know what I mean? Because I remember getting into the Darkness 1 multiplayer, and it was just like a... Like a yeah, you know, like one guy was there one second and he just pinged off the map and yeah, it was te- it was absolutely terrible. But um, yeah, uh, multiplayer in Darkness Two didn't really appeal to me at all. Right. So, summarations of the Darkness Two. Uh, Josh, worth playing? Um, I think yeah. My feelings on this are the opposite of the Darkness One. I think um, the gameplay is really good. I really like the gameplay. Um, I find it really satisfying. I think the darkness powers are much better in this game. Um, I I think it's a case of less is more for me. There were more darkness powers in the first one, but they do more with the few powers that you have in this second one. Um, I think it looks really good. I think the art style is really interesting. The story is okay. I don't think it's bad. I I think I was overly negative towards it uh, during the podcast, but it's okay. I don't think it compares to the first one and the voice actor who plays Jackie's not as good um he he sounds like a, a Caucasian guy trying to be an Italian American whereas the guy before sounded like an Italian American um yeah but I do recommend it it's worth a rental at least um and I think it's very good Carl I think just for playing in such an artistically beautiful and well designed world it's probably worth playing I might have come off like Josh, quite negative on it. It's not bad. It compared to the first game, it was disappointing. Compared to a generic sort of everyday shooter, it leaves it standing. It's got a better story than any of those. Um, it's solid. It works. It's got different modes. It's got co-op if that's you. You bargain. It, it's a solid game, but it's nowhere near to the same level as the first one. The the voice actor isn't as good, but that's across the board. Um, you can include Mike Patton in that. He does the same voice, but it's not the same. He, he he goes too much. He's too big in the second one. And I found so many of those things to be quite distracting. But I'd still recommend people play it because it's far from a bad game. It's just not an exceptional game. Darren? Yeah, yeah, pretty much agree. Um, the, the, the darkness powers while amped up I do feel went a little bit overboard as we discussed earlier with the the you know the tentacles going in various orifices um but I do really appreciate what they did for the darkness powers in terms of grabbing doors and flinging them at guys and stuff like it's really uh, it's it didn't put a lot of effort on you the player to aim it's it sounds pretty weird saying this but it doesn't it didn't put a lot of effort onto you the player to aim exactly where the door should go um i, I can imagine like some developers making sure that you pinpointed the door exactly <laughs> where it goes whereas in, in darkness 2 you just sort of flung it and Fling it chopped it. the head off yeah, yeah and in the rough direction either chop it in half or take his head off you know one yeah, it's, it's just so satisfying and i, I really appreciated that, that that side of the combat from uh from darkness 2 the the introduction of the flashlight, I, I did enjoy. I, I found it annoying, but I think you're supposed to find it annoying because you know it's hampering your uh, your abilities to kill him. And yeah, the, the generators they have lying around, like you follow the wire around and you hit the generator to knock the flashlight, you know, the, the floodlight out. And I did enjoy the the twists they put on the combat, but uh, overall, um, I preferred the first one because yeah, I'm a bit of a Starbreeze fan. 
yeah, but it's definitely worth checking out. Like I say, uh, the demo soured me because most demos do, and they they bundle a bunch of story on you straight away. And you're like, well, I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's, it's also it's, that demo as well because they bundle the the story element from about halfway through that you actually yeah. meeting the guy taking the the powers, you know, the the brotherhood taking the powers away from you. It's the first thing you get in it in the demo is that one scene right at the very start, which doesn't yeah, really yeah. appear until a good way chunk into the game. Yeah, it's where he's nailed to the the bit of wood, mm. and he's getting you know the cipher's knocking the stuff out of him. But yeah, and then and then you end up in the in the diner where the van comes crashing through the window. And you're like, I don't know what's like. This demo's terrible. And then you're outside, and you you know you're throwing your spears around, and and while while the darkness arm where you can control it to bounce someone off the ground to make him slow mo in the air and stuff. That's that's really good. Like the fact that you can do that with the darkness arm is a great addition. But don't judge the game by the demo because that was like oh, and I think that's why I enjoyed the darkness too more than what I thought I would because the demo was horrible and I had some spare time and I played it and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think my sum up is going to be rough the same as actually Josh's. Um, I think having gone back to the Darkness 1 after playing the Darkness 2, um, maybe I, I could have been a little more soured if I'd gone to Darkness 1 first because I'd forgotten actually how well paced the first one was and how more involving it was actually speaking to these people, having multiple dialogue trees and, and getting to know these people on a more personal level rather than just you know being fed a story pretty directly. But I did have a lot of fun with the Darkness powers, um, the, although you know I missed certain ability, abilities like the, the Creeping Dark, which I, you know, I enjoyed from the first one. Um, I think they did a lot more and, and made the darkness itself a lot more kind of flexible with what it can do, which I did really, really enjoy. And I, I think for the different approach they had with the linearity of the game, I think they did a, a fairly decent job with the story. Um, it's maybe not quite as personal as the first game, but I think they add some elements in there which actually adds a lot more, uh, well, a lot more, a fair bit of depth to what the darkness overarching story is and, and I actually quite like the twist that there is a light versus dark power thing going on now and I, I'm certainly if they announce a darkness 3 it's something I'd be actually really interested to, to jump on because I, I do actually want to see how that story arc would actually finish so I think they've added a bit more depth to it So let's bring in a few people from the community and, and tackle the free word reviews. Ryan Atsley. Jackie. Now he cheated a little bit there with Jack E. E. But we'll give him it. It's good enough. It's a good one. Dastardly Jabby says Sopranos with Demons. Flying Mutley says Shoot the Lights. Fury Ace says Sofa Cuddly Time. Oh. James Carter says Medlin with genres. Coldstream says shoot every light. ZX Spectrum 16K said where's the marketing for the Darkness 2. And Furious for the Darkness 2 says angels and demons. I think that basically covers everything we had to say about the game. <laughs> In a lot shorter term, but uh, yeah, thinking about the story actually, when you do say so for cuddly time, it, yeah, uh, you can kind of see why we're probably 
gravitating more towards the darkness one because that is a pretty magical moment so time to wrap up the show forthcoming show topics will include the Metal Gear Solid Bit Trip Complete Prince of Persia 2008 and Eternal Darkness our blog is at canandrince.com Cain uh, and Rince is a part of the Character Select Network. Come and join in the discussion at characterselect.net forum. Follow us on Twitter at Cain and Rince. And of course, you can send us an email at caneandrince at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Rince. Your iTunes subscriptions, reviews, and ratings are all very welcome. So that just leaves me to say thank you to Darren Gargett, Joshua Garrity, and Carl Moon. We'll be back next week with the Bit Treat, Bit Trip Beat series, whatever it's called, the Bit Treat Complete series. <laughs> um, I believe both you, uh, Josh, and um, Darren are on that show along with uh, Lil. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hear you're having trouble with some of those games. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, listen, they're very hard. <laughs> so. Thank you very much. Sorry this hosting has been a little bit awkward, but hey, this is what happens when your your leader leaves you for the night. But hey, we'll be back next week. <laughs>